Shut up and sit down. everyone and welcome to the podcast tonight we're going to talk about the difference between canon divergence and alternate universe um because some of you don't know and it's it's pretty obvious <laughs> just saying <laughs> okay so um we actually both put up a list of our pro of, of projects with a differentiation between alternate universe and canon divergence and what i discovered about myself is that i tend towards pure alternate universe really often in harry potter where i tend to go mostly canon divergent um in what might have been as long as the sentinel isn't involved <laughs> the sentinel the great game changer now one of the reasons why that most of my Harry Potter fic is considered alternate universe is because of the noble trope that I'm really deeply invested in because it amuses me. Um, it probably amuses me because I'm an American, you know? Uh, <laughs> maybe I wouldn't find it so amusing if I was actually British. I don't know. Um, but I do find it deeply amusing. Um, but uh, there is there is actually an argument that would say that all of my fan fiction is alternate universe because I don't use canon pairings and I make um, in Stargate my characters you know John's gay in in canon he's not he's straight um, uh, so there is an argument there but I don't like that argument <laughs> that's a whole new can of worms well, I guess the only reason why it couldn't be canon divergent, because you usually have your characters getting together. You don't usually write them in an established relationship. But I guess the argument, the reason why it would be maybe by some like canon divergence purists to be AU instead is because um, conceivably when you change someone's sexuality, you are changing their life would have gone somewhat differently. So therefore right. their canon backstory conceivably does not remain completely intact. But, you know. Now, you can say, well, they never said John Shepard wasn't bisexual. Yes, you can say that, but it's disingenuous. I think some characters, um, like in canon, I'm I'm a lot more, I'm more readily able to go the bisexual thing. Um, I think, I think Styles, if anybody says he's not at least bisexual, they're just not paying attention. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure I, that's how Dylan O'Brien played him. No matter yeah. how it was written. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, but some characters definitely, uh, I think it, it's not a fine line about whether they're heterosexual or bisexual. It seems pretty obvious. So, so yeah, so you kind of have to, so the canon divergent thing is a little bit, because also the thing is sometimes we have to fill in canon elements, you know, fill in backstory elements that we don't know. 
Like if, you know, you know, if someone lost their mother young, um, but you don't know exactly what age, well, you, if you're writing something that deals with that, you kind of have to supply that element, right? So is it strictly canon divergent when you're putting, when you're making elements up for the backstory? Well, no, but I think it is canon divergent as long as you don't contradict anything in the backstory. But there's also a line. I think that when you introduce a major thematic trope to your universe, that you're crossing over into alternate universe. Yeah. Crossover alternate universe. Because um, if you introduce werewolves into um, Stargate, that's AU. If you introduce Sentinels and Guides, um, outside of very specific circumstances, it's AU. It's not canon divergent. The only way I would buy it as canon divergent is if Jim and Blair show up at the mountain, but then it would also be a crossover. And Jim's the only Sentinel at that time. But his proximity, because we, we did a whole thing on it where he woke up Sentinels based on his response to being exposed to the Stargate program in, in, in various ways. Um, that could be canon divergent, depending on how you do it and how much your, word, your, your world building impacts your canon universe. Because there comes a point where you cross over into alternate universe territory, you might as well just accept it and move on. I would not write a Sentinel. I would. I don't think I would write a Sentinel AU um, for November's Can Divergence because it would be too much work. It is. It's also. Um, I've seen the. I've seen that in a way. I've seen it done to death in almost every fandom. Has some Sentinel emergence story uh, where, you know, they're you know, their unicorn character uh, comes online as the, the first Sentinel, right? And they they flail about trying to figure out what's going on with them. And they find this copy of a thesis online and they get in touch with Blair. And, you know, so, I mean, I feel like it's been done. And I, I personally like Sentinels are known AUs more than I... So if I were writing a Sentinel and Guide story, considering like that there's a huge, you know, like I like 50 times more prefer Sentinel and Guide AUs to that emergent story. I don't know why I would, you know, put a 50k novel worth of effort into the trope I like less. But you could do it. Um, I mean, yeah, it's doable. I've seen it done. I just don't yeah. like it. Yeah, it's just, it, it's not what I would choose to put my time, my writing time to. When and I would the just more rather... world building you do with the Sentinel, the less canon divergent your work becomes. Right. So you have to do a strictly an emergence thing. Um, I do think crossovers can be canon divergent for at least one of the fandoms in the crossover. But like I have one that I looked at and I considered it and I decided that it was canon divergent for one show, but an AU for the other. So it puts you in kind of a, you have to be careful that you're, if you're calling your story canon divergent, that it's that your focus fandom is the canon divergent one. So um But also, uh, I think one of the things, that, Sentinel Guide, to me, Sentinel Guide's AU is never canon divergent. Sentinel, Sentinels and Guides are known, AU cannot be canon divergent by definition, because it's an AU. It is a completely different world. And actually, we take a lot of liberties in even having canon remain intact in a Sentinels and Guides are known AU. That is actually a huge leap in logic. 
that these characters' lives would have all gone exactly the same with Sentinels and guys running around. <laughs> Which but, is why I changed Blair's backstory in The Awakening. Um, because it didn't make sense to me that if Sentinel and guys are known and Blair's a guy, that he would have had the same life. Right. and But we do tend to, in a story where somebody's not online yet, we do tend to hand wave away that detail. You know, um, I don't I mean, it's, it's probably realistic to say that I don't think Tony would have grown up exactly the same if Sentinels had been around. If he had been abandoned by, um, and, and, and in my headcanon, he would be a latent Sentinel or guide. Um, and he had been abandoned in Hawaii by his father. Sentinels, oh. and, guides would be, Sentinels and guides would be happy for him to go back to his abandoned, nope. abandoning parent. No. Um, and with the kind of political clout that, and social clout that I tend to write them having, um, well, even if Tony had not come online, um, the child abandonment of a, a latent Sentinel learning guide and a Sentinel learning guide AU um, would be pretty epic. Yeah. It and wouldn't yet, be a crime he could hide. Right. And yet I hand wave away the reality of that when I write a Sentinels and Guide AU or I'm where I'm keeping canon basically intact. Even though realistically... And it is a big hand wave because realistically it wouldn't stay completely intact. Now I feel like I need to write that story. <laughs> um, and I had a conversation with somebody about uh, could Rule 63 be canon divergent? And I went, mm, I don't see how. And the reason I said, and then they said, always well, a girl, right? So no. Yeah, always a girl. And and I said, you know, and they said, well, what if you keep canon exactly intact? I said, well, that's that's a little bit disingenuous because how does canon stay exactly intact when your characters are completely different gender? I mean, especially with, you know, Rule 63 to like a, a girl, you know, like Tony being female. I mean, how does male privilege, white, especially white male privilege, has a would have a dramatic effect on on how he grew up and his life experiences. So um <laughs> Dark says she tried to work that it doesn't work. So it is no, I don't I don't actually see but um, I'm not saying that uh, you know girl female all oh, rule sixty three Tony couldn't play sports. I just don't see um, that same career path, that that same that same yeah, varsity basketball list for women, you know, exists for women in college. So that's entirely possible. Um, women have played football um, at the college level. It's but I just, hard, don't, I but just don't see it. I don't, and I don't see her in military academy either, for that matter. I just don't see it. So, I, but I mean, that's when I worked through this out. I actually didn't see um, a, a female uh, Tony being left with. Uh, with her father. I thought that the, you know, his mother's family would be more invested in, in a daughter. You know, honestly, versus... I don't think Senior would be interested in keeping a girl. I don't either. So... He had tossed her in, in that direction in, in a heartbeat, moved on by. Because so, Tony's I mean, only as useful as he is, uh, um, as he is a mirror to Senior. Right. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a junior. Which is why I don't I don't see him even growing up in the states. It's at least not the way it worked out for me when I plotted this. So for for it to come out exactly alike, exactly the same in a rule sixty three is a little bit of a head scratch. I'm like, how does it come out exactly the same? 
So therefore, canon divergent doesn't work because you can't keep canon exactly intact. And if you do, it's it's strange. Um, yeah, well, it is my head. No, I don't. Thing. I don't think marriage material is senior. I don't think that would actually um, be a factor for him at all. Otherwise, he had done the same thing to Tony. If he wanted to get money through um, the marriage of his child, Tony's gender would not have been a factor. And he was he he knew he could get money through his marriage, and so I think his ego would have prevented him from seeing his child as more more marketable than himself. So I don't think gender has anything to do with whether or not um, he would have tried to bargain her into some kind of marriage scam. Because if that was something on his radar, he did he did definitely try to do as Tony. Yeah, I mean people people have. Uh, Everybody's got a different take on this kind of thing, but I just don't. I don't see it personally. I really believe that eight-year-old Tony, who's female, would have would have wound up living with her relatives in in the UK, or shipped off to boarding school right away, and that would be that. Well, Singer's kind of a misogynist, so I think that he would have. Um, I don't even know if their marriage would have survived a female child. That's possible. I mean, Tony popping out as a girl could have saved her mother's life. Because why would he... I mean, you know, she can't even produce a song like I need. Fuck her. Bye. So, I just don't see how with some thematic tropes you can do... um, You can't... I don't think you can do Sentinel Guide. I don't think you can do Rule 63. Uh, You you know, you can't do a paranormal AU, obviously, and have it be canon divergent. Although I see people put that. They'll put canon divergent AU, and then they'll put werewolves, and it's like, uh, no. (laughs) It it can't be canon divergent if you're putting werewolves in the MCU. That doesn't work that way. Um, I mean, unless... Okay. So let's say the events of Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2 happen. Thor's hammer falls to Earth. Instead of Loki sending that big giant sentry down to Earth, he comes himself. And Thor and Loki throw down on a pretty epic level, something we don't really see in in um in Vandom. And um or in the MCU for that matter. We don't really see them really go head to head. And Loki loses control of his magic. Fucked up things start happening on Earth. Werewolves being actually the least of them. <laughs> or <a> gender swap. <laughs> and in that case, yes. You could have a canon divergent AU. But those circumstances are very specific. Yeah, aliens arrive and, you know, release a virus that causes psychic mutations. You know, so people to become psychic. That'd be canon divergent. But if it, if it, uh, but if it was always there, you've built a fundamental thick thematic principle into your um, world building that negates canon divergence. Some of us think that if Thor and Loki had just had it out, that they would have been better off. If they had just like... (laughs) I mean, not full out tried to kill each other, but just really just had a fight and got it over with. 
And I, I tend to think nothing. I think the rules of canon divergence are there. But it, it, nothing about nothing about fan fiction has hard and fast rules, right? But I think canon divergence has. It's a little bit clearer to, to understand. Now, when you talk about like canon divergence in the Harry Potter universe, I mean, you're talking about they've got there's a that's a huge canon. But I tend to think that it has to be divergent within your character's lifetime. Um, meaning, I don't know that I would call it a canon divergent AU to change stuff in Voldemort's time for something you're writing about Harry Potter's life. To me, that just feels like an AU. As opposed it seems to disingenuous canon Because by the time Harry comes around, he's living in an entirely different world. Right. So right. while it was canon divergent for Voldemort, um, or even Grindelwald, it's an AU for Harry. Right. So I, I do think that you kind of have to narrow your focus down to, to ev can the canon events changing within your character's lifetime. Um, it, 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 and your character, not like an older character. You know, whatever character you're focusing on, whatever, the, whatever character you're focusing your story on, the divergent event has to happen for, in their lifetime. Otherwise, it's, everything for them is different by virtue of something else. Um, on the Thor and Loki thing, I don't think either one of them would have come out on top. I think it would have been a draw, and I think that would have to be the the point. Yeah, um, because what Loki what Loki really ultimately desires is acceptance and equality. And at that point, Thor kicking his ass would have would have broken him far more than he was already broken. I think a standstill. And a moment of understanding between them would have better served their characters. Yeah, therapy through violence. Brothers. <laughs> so, but yeah. So, I'm going to use an example that was just for the chat room of why I don't think this could be canon divergent. Um, it, well, it couldn't be, for, well, I don't think it could be canon divergent. Um, so somebody put up an idea that Stargate, Loki from Stargate picks up a teenager from Beacon Hills at the same time as he took Jack, discovers werewolves are the solution to their cloning problem, insists the government protect them. While I would read the fuck out of that, I don't think it could be canon divergent for either show because I do not see how realistically, this is just my opinion, but I don't see realistically how the government doesn't actually know about werewolves. I think they probably do know. I think they absolutely do know. So in a world where the Stargate exists, they know about werewolves. And they probably recruit you know, them. Honestly, the implication that they don't know is the also saying that werewolves don't get into positions of power, which is bullshit. Yeah. So you have werewolves probably sitting in Congress in Teen Wolf. You have werewolf doctors, you have werewolf judges, lawyers. It, they aren't all living simple lives running coffee shops. These are these are animals in their prime they're apex yeah. they're not sitting in coffee shops and if teen wolf exists in stargate you bet your ass there's a werewolf in the mountain already uh, you bet your ass they recruited them on purpose because somebody at some point said oh this well we've got these these maybe werewolves can smell this smell cool right and so they recruit re they recruit them i mean i it's just so it is I don't know how you could do divergent canon divergent for either show. Well, you might be able to do canon divergent for Teen Wolf, actually. 
because it's it's realistic that you the canon characters of Teen Wolf don't know anything about Stargate. So when one of them gets abducted is, by Loki, but it's also but it would be unrealistic to assume that um that werewolves are an entirely hidden society and that there aren't people in the government in the know because there are certainly werewolves in the government. Right. It's also I think um. I definitely think the government knows about werewolves. I think in canon Teen Wolf, the government knows. I think they choose to to, to not do anything. But I think they know. Because the population is self-regulating. Right. But I think they have to know. I think they, I think like they I know. said, because there are probably werewolves and probably have been werewolves in the government since the government was founded. And like I think that there are probably if 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 you have that crossover going on, I think there are werewolves working in Cheyenne Mountain, and the general probably knows that there are werewolves. They are were they would have to know. I think they would deliberately recruit them, and it would become a not secret in the mountain that werewolves were there. Um, but when you think about it, um, it also I do not believe that the Asgard, with all of their trips to Earth, don't know about werewolves. And other shifters and banshees and witches and sparks. Um, it's not realistic. Yeah. So uh, I'd read the, I would read the fuck out of it, but I don't think for either show that it could be canon divergent. That's more like an alternate universe crossover fusion thing. One I would enjoy reading very much, but um, I don't, it doesn't quite myth. Could werewolves be the result of Nerti's experimenting? Nirshi didn't experiment on Earth. She experimented elsewhere. But even if werewolves were um, a result of some sort of um, experiment in the back or of whatever, you still can't call it canon divergent. You're just you're that's working your way into more of it being more of an AU. Because it, let's say the ancients created werewolves, okay? It doesn't fundamentally change anything. That, that the Asgard would know that they're there and that the U.S. government would know that they're there and that the Stargate program would probably recruit them. I because mean, and even if they had managed to be a secret, by the time Daniel Jackson, um, by the time they find the ancient outpost, the influence of the ancients the, and, and the knowledge that they brought back with them from Pegasus would make it impossible to hide um, their origin. Because if the ancients brought Satidan werewolves back to the Milky Way, they documented that shit. They did it for a reason. Yeah. And I do believe that the it still wouldn't change anything. It would still be an alternate universe. Yeah. In fact, it would be ultimately based on the deep foundation in an alternate universe because we know that the ancients only brought themselves back from Pegasus. <laughs> and you have to consider that if if the government knows about werewolves. And they run into these ghouls who want to enslave the planet and the move is made and they launch the Stargate program that they're going to want people with superior strength on field teams. So they're going to recruit werewolves. So that implicitly means you have got a significant ripple effect into Stargate canon. Reaper asked the question that uh, I kind of want to answer. How can autopsies possibly not show something not quite human? Well, It really depends on, like, if they die in weird circumstances, they're very likely to get an autopsy. Otherwise not. Um, most people aren't autopsied when they die. It's only when circumstances are suspicious or the family 
pays for it. And a werewolf family would not. Um, if they die fully shifted and are actually a wolf, they would be buried like an animal and there wouldn't be an autopsy. I think they probably actually don't have any organs that are different when they're uns I mean they're, I think it's, they're human with a, with a mutation. So unless they're shifted, I don't think there would be any physical evidence of their of their condition. I agree. And I think in canon they shift when they die uh, shifted, they shift back. You know, like if, but I think that if circumstances were but even then, the human DNA, um, we still don't know everything there is to know about human DNA. So the likelihood that somebody would notice or that DNA tests would even be done on a dead body and they see something abnormal, they would probably, like Erica just said, knock it up as junk DNA and not even consider it. I mean, because it's not out. It's not within their realm of understanding. They aren't going to see that. Oh, look at that funky DNA. He must be a werewolf. Yeah. Well, and you've got to figure that when it comes to DNA, that it once once they have a significant sample size of DNA, it's going to probably include some werewolf DNA, and they will have clocked it as anomalous proteins or something. Because werewolf DNA has been existing since DNA was being collected, so they wouldn't see it as abnormal. It wouldn't stand out. Yeah, and a lot of humans probably have recessive werewolf genes. Because a lot of humans, I mean, humans can be, you know, it's canon. Humans can be born to werewolves. If you're talking teen wolf mythology, right? Okay. Canon teen, humans can be born to a werewolf. So there are probably lots of humans out there who have some sort of recessive. So it would just be part of the human genome, considered part of the human genome and not particularly stick out. And some people are born with extra organs. Some people are born missing organs. Like, like I'll just said, some people are born with their organs on the opposite side. Um, it's abnormal, but not completely unusual. I don't think that anybody looking at a unshifted werewolf on an autopsy table would notice the difference. Which is sort of the point, right? I mean, when they shoot a werewolf in the heart, they're shooting the same place a human is shot in the heart. You know, if they're running around in their human form. The point is that they shift between forms, not that their human form is different from another human. But even if it was a werewolf in me, the only reason I think they might notice is if because they smell it. They smell their own kind. Yeah, the black look the black goo is a weird thing. Like there would have to be some like I thought that was only because of Argent's disease that he got the black goo. No, the black goo is what happens when you reject the werewolf bite, but most people die from it. They would probably chalk that up as some kind of um pathogen. Uh pathogen or i mean the it was a very it, it might actually even be considered a variant of um <laughs> please i'm still not over the pus thing um it's gonna be a while uh what's it um ebola that turned their their force that caused them to secrete black mucus or something yeah they, but it, but instances of it to avoid public out, you know, public panic would probably be considered classified. They'd probably suppress any information about it, which is why. But the thing is, people in government would actually know what it was. Would they know it was bite rejection? But there wouldn't be news reports everywhere. Going, oh, look, there was a werewolf. No, I mean that's outside the realm of the normal. You know, people are going to look for the most obvious conclusion to their situation. Yeah, right. They're, They're not, not going to jump to the 
ridiculous. Right. So to, to, it's come up twice in the chat room. Do you think a werewolf could be snaked? I'd say that's dealer's choice, right? So it you should do, that's one of those things like those those world building elements. You should do what works for your story. If If you really want the SGC to really recruit werewolves heavily and you have a strong paranormal presence, then no, I would say a shifter can't be snaked and that that's an alluring trait from them, right? Is that they like to have werewolves on teams because they're invulnerable to being come, becoming host. One of, the, one of the things I did in Sentinels of Atlantis was that Sentinels and Guides can't be fed on because Wraith actually eat psionic energy and Sentinels and Guides use the psionic energy in their bodies and therefore it's not available for a Wraith to feed on. And that's why they culled that's why they destroyed the people on Satita because they were not a feeding population and they didn't want that to spread. Because really a Wraith nightmare would be everybody in Pegasus was, was, was sitting on God genetics, whether they're online or not. Because it would make the psionic energy they feed on unavailable to them. That was my world building there. So I think it is, you. but if it was a case, there's also could be a case to made of that guides have more psionic energy and therefore they're more alluring food. So which world building serves your story? So you could go the same way with the werewolf thing, right? Is, does it work for your story? So I, I think it to say a werewolf can't be a host, that's, I don't, I don't really see any kind of foundation for why they couldn't be. Right, unless... because they've they've hosted in animals before. Right. But you could make it that, that but you could also write it that, this, you know, the nature of being a werewolf means that they can't have any other kind of possession like that. Um, it's a strictly a matter of what you want to do is just figure out what your world building is, go the direction that serves your story, and then make sure your story is internally consistent. I think in a Sentinel and Guides known universe, I it's my headcanon that Guides could not be snaked um, because of their abilities, the, their mental abilities. But I think being snaked would kill a Sentinel. Yeah, I agree. I usually write it that Guides can't be snaked either, but usually they could partially because they're... Um, I usually write that Guides, if a snake was not... Um, this comes up in Journey Home, that they, they could basically kill them. Especially if they're outside of somebody. And that a sh shaman could kill them no matter where they were. Um, but anyway, so when it comes to... It's really difficult to... Um, so like... Um, okay. So it, when it comes to crossovers... I talked about you can do the AU on one side, but can divergent on the other. And if you're doing a can divergence like challenge type thing, it depends upon which, which, which fandom you're focusing on. So I have two stories that have similar profiles and characters, and I would call one a hardcore AU and the other one can divergent for Teen Wolf. And that is um, React is definitely an AU because it's not just a matter of the fact that Tony has a sister or had a sister. It's a matter of, because in theory, he could have a sister he doesn't know about. Canon doesn't say that he doesn't have a sister he doesn't know about, right? It can't say that. You can't know what you don't know. But Styles definitely didn't have an uncle. And having an uncle in his life would have changed him 
away from canon, which sets the whole thing up to be AU. Um, also, it's not, it can't be canon divergent on the team, on the NCIS side because werewolves don't exist in canon NCIS. So it's AU on both sides of the equation. But uh, overqualified, I would say, is um, canon divergent for Teen Wolf, but AU for NCIS because it's a world with werewolves. Right. So bringing in a character, you know, it Tony's world is 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 AU from what it was in canon, but his world is irrelevant in terms of the events of the show. So I would say that for that story, the story itself is canon divergent, where Tony is the catalyst by which the canon divergence happens. His presence starts to change things. I think that's one of the key things about exploring canon divergence is you are exploring what is changing based upon when you introduced whatever's causing the change. Um, but really in a canon divergence, your your canon must be your foundation. You can't take a thematic thing, like a, a, them, a thematic um, trope, like Sentinels and Guides, um, Werewolves, and use that as your foundation if you're writing canon divergence. It doesn't work. Right. Now you could cheat it and say, oh, well, they didn't say there were no Sentinels and Guides in that universe. They didn't say there were no werewolves. Okay, yeah, you can say that. It still doesn't make your story canon divergent. <laughs> That's not how readers are going to interpret it. What I hear when I see a big AU, a, AU, a thematic AU, and I see the tag canon divergent, what it tells me, it is that like what I'm likely about to find is someone has very disingenuously had canon remained in, intact completely despite it being a complete AU. Which why the hell would I want to read that? Well, I mean, but sometimes it's a good story, but that's not the challenge we're doing in November. It's not the challenge right, we're doing no. in July. We're not doing it. We're not doing a you know disingenuous you know the disingenuous take on canon divergence because July and November are both in their way canon divergent. Yeah. Oh, you know, the thing is, is I'm not going to police either one of these challenges, but I will judge you privately. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not so privately, like with the bitches. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, you know. Well, saying. it's it's sometimes, sometimes what happens in, in situations where something isn't meeting the challenges, somebody might might poke and say, is this actually meeting the challenge? I, I don't think this meets the challenge. And then like, I'll just agree with them privately. You're right. It doesn't meet the challenge, but you know, we don't actually, we're not actually. I'm not going to throw you out point. for not meeting the challenge, but I am going to acknowledge that you didn't meet the challenge. Um, because I don't, I don't and never will blow sunshine up your ass, sunshine up your ass or anybody That's else. Not my, it's not my bailiwick. It's not in my wheelhouse. That's somebody else's job. We haven't found somebody to take that job yet. Personally, I'm not even advertising for that job. So, but if that does happen. So, if you're wondering, um, don't take somebody else not following the challenge as it's like tacit permission to not follow it yourself. Because, you know, that's just disrespectful. If you don't want to do the challenge, then don't sign up for the challenge. There are parallel challenges running right at that time. There's Camp Nano in July, Nano in... Um... Yeah, but those aren't public challenges where they can get attention. 
Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> She's salty today. I mean, I I fully acknowledge there are people who participate in Rough Trade, and there are probably people who participated in Quantum Bang for attention. I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. We're not the internet police. But I, I would say almost, not every challenge, but close to every challenge, it, inevitably one of us gets pained and going, does this meet the rules? And it's like, well, no, no. But we don't actually have an enforcement division. This is an, this is an, this is an honor system. So you have to decide. And in the quantum bang, you need to fix canon, which means it can't be an alternate universe. If you're in um, Rough Trade this year for um, Nano, um, which is a canon divergence. It means you cannot write an alternate universe. You cannot write a dimensional travel. You have to canon diverge. You have to diverge from canon. I mean, I guess conceivably your canon divergence could be your character gets tossed into another dimension, but they would have to have a canon event tossing them into another dimension. So. That's one of the funny, funky. It, it it becomes a little bit dicey when you start looking into the intricacies of how that happens. But you know, okay, like say, okay, let's let's do some examples of canon divergence. Let let's get into it. Um, Margaret's doing one where um, in the summer with uh, Chamber of Secrets that the sword actually has a spirit of its own. So when the when the hat brings the sword to Harry, um, Canon from that point is going to diverge because there's going to be an intelligence in the sword. That's a Canon divergence. That's a new element. He's not coming from an alternate universe. This is just a new element she's introducing to diverge Canon. Right. And I sense. would say right. And I would say that there's nothing in Canon that contradicts that the sword could have. A latent intelligence because actually there's lots of proof that it does because the sword comes when it wants to and it leaves but the point is is that that's one of the things about your catalyst is your catalyst can't contradict canon right so it's sort of like um if if, if, if peter bite styles that would be a canon divergence because the bite happens on screen during the first episode if he chooses to bite styles instead of scott which is like, seriously, why? Why did you buy Scott? <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> There's zero attractive about Scott. Zero. That's canon divergence. But you know what? I think it boils down to in, in Teen Wolf. It's not the character. It's the actors. I think that Dylan O'Brien is extremely talented. And it's kind of hard to hide his light under a bushel. And the kid playing Scott is nowhere near as talented. He doesn't have the dynamics. He doesn't have the chemistry with the other characters. And... uh. Little Brian ran circles around him. Yeah. But they also, the writers did Scott a really big disservice by turning him into, they made him too much like a typical teenager who suddenly got popular, you know, blowing off his geeky friend. And they, 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 they stuck too hard to that plot line from the movie. I'm just saying. Okay. So if Peter doesn't kill Laura, that would be canon divergence. Yes. If, um, in Harry Potter, uh, if he gets sorted anywhere but Gryffindor, it's a canon divergence. 
as long as you don't introduce a whole bunch of titles and because then you get into AU because the noble, the ancient and noble house, there is one line in the order of the Phoenix where Sirius sarcastically refers to the house of black as ancient and noble because of his mother's um, ridiculous social posturing and, and politics. But there are not, but there is no nobility in the, the magical world. So if you toss that in there, you, you've hit AU territory, which is what I often do. Um, I hit AU like a motherfucker because I really enjoy that trope. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, it's a good trope. I love it. And I if mean, if you send Harry to the bank and suddenly he's got 10 titles, you've gone AU. And my two big Harry Potter stories, either one of which are online right now, but both of them fall into the AU category, even though they're on the on the front, on the face of it, they look like canon divergent AUs because they're both time travel, go back in time and fix all the shit. But because I use the nobility thing in both of them, um, it becomes it becomes AU. Okay, let's see. If Sirius was an adult and took care of Harry. Um, that would be canon divergent as long as you don't introduce any nobility tropes. If Sirius is just living his life, um, maybe uh, he doesn't get arrested. Um, he doesn't go off and he, he goes and gets help and um, he's cleared of being a Death Eater. He's not a Death Eater. He goes back to doing whatever he was doing. I don't know if it's actually canon that he was a magical cop because you know I can't say that word. Um, uh I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, I always put it in my head canon that he was, which you know, to make the or or really <laughs> that sounds stupid. <laughs> Are you sure that's it? <laughs> I was always it always in my head sounds more like or or now see that's how kind of how I or or uh like aura with an R with an R sound. Mm -hmm. Auer. 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 Let's go over to YouTube. <laughs> clearly, we have absolutely no agreement about this. <laughs> um, it seems logical that he would have been a magical cop. Um, Auer. Uh, it. But I don't know if it's I don't know if it's canon or not. But you could you know you could you could delve into that because. Hit wizard, uh, depending on um, how the you know the ministry responds to his innocence and Peter Pettigrew, you could really you know dig into that and have Sirius be the freaking minister of magic by the time Harry hits her, um, Hogwarts. Totally up to you. Yeah, we need to get a campaign going on Twitter where Rowling has to pronounce all these words for us. I don't think hit wizards. I think hit wizards are an ICW thing, not a local thing. Um. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know that I would ever write a truly canon divergent Harry Potter story because I'm just not interested in sticking that close to their world building. Right, I'm all in on that. <laughs> also, I whenever I get into Harry Potter, if I get over a certain length, I gotta dig into the magic. The magic, I gotta dig in. Now, I wrote a wizard. beautiful ritual that's going to be um, featured in a story that should release at the end of July. So, Hit Wizards are British. Are they? They are, yeah. They're, they're basically SWAT. 
That's awesome. <laughs> Why can't we have a hit wizard TV show? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so it just really you. But Sirius was not you a. You gotta be wizard. careful with your concepts. Is is what I'm saying. You can't introduce big thematic tropes into um, your story. Otherwise, it stops being canon divergent and becomes an AU. You can't use the noble trope. Of course, you could take Harry shopping, but I think it'd be a waste because does Harry need to really go shopping if he grew up with Sirius? <laughs> you know, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they could just have annual shopping trips to Paris or whatever. <laughs> if it would make you happy. Um, there's nothing about what Harry, Sirius did uh, that I can find easily. So... But actually, the lack of specificity about what his occupation was means you can make him a his, hit wizard or a magical cop and, <laughs> uh, and not have it contradict canon. Right. So, Or could, he could can. come into the job after the fact. Right. And or you'll not worry about it. Does focusing on the magic and developing the world building make it AU? It depends upon if you contradict canon. Like, there's no proof that there are no covens or conclaves. There's no proof they don't. In fact, there's a lot of proof to say that they do do magical magical rituals. Um, you could say that the Death Eaters are actually a conclave or a coven, depending on how you want to use that language. Because um, Voldemort does have an inner circle. Um, they do form a ritual circle, sort of ish, around him when he, um, when he, when he calls them to the cemetery. Um, he's obviously. He obviously did ritual work to get into that little human that evil looking baby thing. Oh right. Um yeah, I am talking about. But but yeah, I don't know how to say that, Queenie. I appreciate you looking it up though or providing it. Um um homoculus? Humunculus? I, I think it's like hum humunculus, but I I've never actually tried to say it around. I think it's humunculus, but uh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. That's why I appreciate it. That's how you pronounce it. Humunculus. Okay. That's terrible. It even sounds like a really ugly word, but it sounds, I, you know, it sounds gross. It's like it, in, in the back of my throat, I feel like I need to clear it. You can build in your canon divergence, but if you add a, like the, the big theme, if you slap nobility on top of it, which doesn't exist in canon, you've crossed over into alternate universe. If you um, have Sirius bitten by a werewolf five years after he rescues Harry Potter, that's still canon divergent. But if Sirius is a werewolf and he can't get custody of, ha of Harry, you're in an alternate universe because Sirius wasn't a werewolf. So, I mean, sometimes you do have to fill in details, right? Like, there's so much missing detail about the magical world that you, if you want your story to not, you know, read as flat, especially if you're focusing on any of those elements, you have to fill it in. But if you want your story to stay canon divergent, you can't contradict what we know canon. about canon. Otherwise, you've just settled into AU territory. And it's the same thing it with is. character backstory. It is fanon that animagus can't become werewolves. It actually makes no sense because the animagus is really just a spell. Um, it makes no sense that they would be immune to being a werewolf. Because if that was the case, then every, then then the first thing any magical person was would, would be taught at at Harry at um, Hogwarts is how to be a fucking animagus. 
it makes no logical sense that they would be immune to the werewolf bite. I don't think my my interpretation was that they weren't immune. My interpretation was is that the werewolf didn't see the animals as a threat. Yep, yeah, I'm talking about Fanon. There, uh, yeah. There's a Fanon that that the animagus are immune to werewolf bite, which is which is dumb. That's just dumb. Yeah. Um, so someone asked. Uh, yeah, I almost did say Harry Potter school. Okay, I'm out of tea. <laughs> Shit got real over here. So you can't use book canon to diverge movie canon. You have to diverge one or the other. I mm, the thing is, movie canon is not as rich as book canon. Um, I almost want to say the I want to say that works one way, but not the other. Um, like I would actually think if you're writing something canon divergent for the books, that putting an element from the movie in would be bad juju. But because the book the movie canon is less well-rounded less thought out less less fleshed out less on screen using stuff from the book would almost be necessary but i do think if you're doing a canon a divergence based upon the on the movie that you need to not contradict the movie canon so let's say you're doing harry potter for july right you're doing one of the harry potter and because july is a movie challenge you have to diverge you're, you have to rewrite the ending of the movie. But the thing is, now July is a little bit different because July, you're just rewriting the ending of one movie. So you're only looking really at the canon of that movie. I don't know. Could you, like, let's say you're doing a divergence of Deathly Hallows, right? Part two, technically. Let's say you're doing the last Deathly Hallows movie. Um, could you use book elements from the first two books that weren't in the first two movies? Well, I don't see why not. Personally, if I was going to write Harry Potter for November, um, I would be uh, of the mind that canon is canon is canon. So I would consider the books in the movie fodder for my for my use. <laughs> right. November would be different because we're not asking you to specify if you're doing the movies or the books. Right. But July, you, you are being asked to specify. You're Not specify, but you're doing movie. If you're doing Harry Potter. Now, I don't, like I said, I don't think I would ever do a Harry Potter canon divergence because um, I really only have one. And that's honestly just because um, I think if I got any deeper into it, it would have definitely gone into AU. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I don't have, um, I just wouldn't do it because I will for starters because my head canon is terribly conflated. Uh, the canon, as I noticed, terribly conflated. So if I was trying to stick to one canon, I'd have to either reread or rewatch, and I wouldn't want to do that. Um, but also because I'm just not interested in writing in Harry Potter without the tropes I like the most, and the tropes I like the most are the ones that make it AU, right? So no, I just wouldn't do it. Um, now, outside of Sentinel Guide AUs, let me get back to my list. Outside of Sentinel Guide AUs, I write a lot of Sentinel Guide AUs. Um, but outside of the Sentinel Guide AUs, I write mostly canon divergence. Um, I don't think it's really terribly... I write mostly canon divergence in Stargate and in MCU, and I write mostly alternate universe in Harry Potter. Yeah, I don't write nearly as much Harry Potter as you do. So, right. Um, there are a couple of um, like marked, you know, there are some, some big AUs that for sure that, but there's also, there's a lot of canon divergence in there, but I did make the 
that was worth talking about the ones that were questionable. Um, you and I talked about this. Like we should talk about the ones that are questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to stop and think about if found, was that AU or was it Canon Divergent? And I think we ultimately decided it was an AU. Um, but it kind of straddles the line a little bit. It's kind of in that space where there's nothing in canon that says that those that some of those events didn't happen, but there's also nothing in the canon that says that they did. And they're, well, especially on Tony's side, there's nothing really that contradicts it. It's arguable that there's stuff on, uh, and actually the presence of Matt um, and that John never mentioned having two brothers actually is what I think probably tips it over into AU on the Stargate side. Throwing in a major character that didn't exist in canon. Um, I think if Bilbo dies anywhere um, and is sent back in time at any point, it would be canon divergent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If Bilbo lives his whole life, uh, right? If Bilbo goes back to the Shire, um, well, no. As long as you don't interrupt, in- insert any thematic trope. Which I don't really see a lot of them in um, the Hobbit, since the Hobbit is really more about investing and keeping the Durans alive um, as a fandom. Um, I mean, even Cabbage Patch Babies isn't contradictory to, ca- to um to canon because they don't have any females fucking in the book, um, so there's no proof that female Hobbits actually get pregnant. <laughs> Yeah. For all we know, the Shire could be full of cradles. Because <laughs> they don't say otherwise. Yeah, Bilbo being a shifter would be definitely an be an AU. An AU. Um, there are a few Sentinel Guide AUs. That's clearly AU. Uh, but Bilbo dying at any point in the quest and going back in time would be a time travel canon divergence like Unleash Your Demons. It's not the yeah. I mean, it's not an alternate universe. It's a fixed. No, so fix yeah. It, yeah. As long as you don't give Bilbo like any special talents, like being able to shift into something or um, making him a dragon whisperer or something, I don't know. <laughs> you know well, but that would be but, contrary to canon, unless you do it with yeah. Um, they had caught. Yeah, Rosie Cotton and Samwise have children, but there's no, but they, it doesn't explicitly say that they got pregnant and had children, just that they had children. Um, the, um, in terms of gifts, though, if time, if Bilbo is sent back in time, uh, he, he could be granted, um, Yavanna could give him special abilities when he's sent back in time. So you could write a Bilbo with special abilities as if long as him. Them. Yeah. Yeah. If he gets them at, the, at, at, at the point in time, if he's granted, if, if him getting them as part of the canon divergence, as opposed to already having them. Yeah. Let's see. Parcel tongue allows Harry to talk to the dragons during the first task. Since in the book, in, in the movie, Harry made no effort whatsoever to speak to the dragons. There's no reason to say that he couldn't. He just didn't. And the dragons were mostly just angry, so they clearly weren't trying to talk. So you right. could make you could make the you could make the case either way. 
that if Harry goes out for the first task and he talks to his dragon instead of just trying to steal her egg, um, that it would be a canon divergence. As long as you don't make him Lord Parter with 25 titles. I mean, we have to say that every time because <laughs> then it becomes an alternate universe. <laughs> now, you could do something that is not contradiction in canon if you wanted to do nobility and you wanted to do it canon, you know, a can divergent, um, which is that for whatever reason they lost their ability to claim their magical titles some point before established canon in Harry Potter, and that something that happens, something whatever the catalyst is for your canon divergence, enables them to be able to claim their magical titles again. So you could introduce, and that's one of the things about thematic tropes is you can introduce the concept in a canon divergent, but it can't already be part of the world. Or Harry could be granted a title. Um, I have an idea. I had an idea, and I've been like, I, the, I played with it a couple times in the background um, of different stories. And is it in that when Harry Potter um, killed the Basilisk with the Sword of Gryffindor, um, Hogwarts bestowed upon him a title, and and um, the heir region of Gryffindor that he became Godric Gryffindor's heir. What you do with that is entirely up to you. Is it a noble title? Is it a magical title? Does it have any weight? Does it have any political weight? Does it have any social weight? These are all decisions that you would make um, in your own world building, and that would be considered a canon divergence. If Hogwarts bestows a title, does the Queen of um, England get a phone call? A flu call? <laughs> it's Hogwarts, but hey, I need your help with something. Queen to queen. <laughs> I mean, yes, there's, a, I mean, the way I usually write the magical titles in Britain, it is um, something related to family magic and that, that, uh, that there's been a split off between the magical and the muggle world in terms of how titles are given out and how, who, who granted them um, and that kind of thing. So uh, I certainly wouldn't be bound in, 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 an, in a noble AU or even in, in a canon divergence where I was introducing magical titles by um, the real world realities of how titles It's my head canon. That magical titles don't work the same way as um, noble titles in um, in the Muggle world, because the first time a pureblood got a title, he was like so deeply invested in his family magic and um, uh, house pride. He's like, "Look, I'll take your title, and you can call me a lord, but you're gonna call me by my real name." <laughs> I'll be the Earl of Blackmore, but you're going to call me Lord Black because that's my family. That's my family name. That's my family magic. And they're very invested in their family magic. Yeah. So I do think, I think it's a matter of um, your world building. You know, if you are doing a, a world where people's titles are actually from the muggle world, then you've got to deal with the realities of what that looks like. But I'm much in, more invested. I'm much more invested in the titles. Harry, yeah, go ahead. I'm go much ahead. more invested in the titles being part of. Um, I'm much more invested in the titles being part of the family magic than them having anything to do with them British actually being aristocracy. Yeah. Although, 
And according to Manny Granger, Harry has a magical title, but he also has a title bestowed on him by the Queen of England. He is the Duke of Avalon. And she did it to establish political influence in the magical world. Um, and he finds out after he's fathered a child, um, or that when he does father a child, that child is the future king of magical Britain. It is not something he signed up for. He stuck with it. And so are his kids. <laughs> because she didn't have any influence in the magical world. They didn't sign the Magna Carta. She was a non-entity to them. Then, there, then there's another way, there's another way you can do that where she is actually still the queen. And because they didn't sign the Magna Carta, they aren't a part of the British government. They aren't subject to the crown. I mean, they are subject to the crown instead of to the parliament. Or whatever it happens to be in Britain. And she's actually the boss of them. And they've been ignoring her for a while. And she puts her foot down. Now, I one of the things about canon divergent AUs is um, a lot of people do canon not it's it, 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 a canon divergent it's interesting they call it canon divergent AU that supports the idea that all fan fiction is AU and canon divergence ones are the ones that stick close at least in the origins uh, to canon but one of the things about canon divergent AUs is the idea is to explore um, the ramifications of of changing something, whether adding a person, taking away a person, having somebody live, having somebody die, whatever change you're making, that you're going to explore the ramifications of that. And sometimes, as we've talked about in other shows, we don't see um, that explored. Um, and so if you're going to just like change something, but then change nothing, I don't really think that you're like exploring the whole idea, going with the idea of canon divergence. You gotta acknowledge and explore your ripples. Like in Unleash Your Demons, when I took that path with Bucky Barnes's character, and I and I thought through the ramifications of removing the Winter Soldiers from the Hydra, and what they might do to get a hold of um, a Super Soldier or a method of creating Super Soldiers. Um, and it's always been my headcanon that Norman Osborn is responsible for Spider-Man's creation. Um, and that Peter is actually some kind of genetic experiment. That's always been my headcanon. Um, and that headcanon collided with my... And I was like, God damn it, I'm going to have to kill May and um, Ben Parker. And then I thought maybe I could just kill Ben Parker. But I was like, you know what? No, neither, neither one of them are going to give that kid up without a fight on the street. I thought about home evasion or kidnapping while going to school. And either way I worked it, it didn't seem realistic that either one of them would let Peter go if someone tried to snatch him without a fight. And so I, I was like, it was really, it was, <laughs> I became a victim of my headcanon and I became a victim of um, my own plot. And I was like, so I even considered leaving Bucky Barnes where he was to avoid that particular subplot. And but then it became like a major theme. And I was like, I can't. I can't leave him there. That is that is ugly. And that isn't who I want Tony to be, you know? Because it would look like petty revenge. That Tony was punishing Bucky Barnes for the actions of, of the Winter Soldier. And so it was like 
And so I had to make choices based on the needs of my plot that didn't make me happy. Which was terrible. Yeah, it was very sad. But it was realistic. It was a realistic ripple. Because when you're and dealing so with, with when you're dealing with canon divergence, you are um, unfortunately stuck with canon. Um, and I think that sometimes that makes people like really uncomfortable. Just they 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 have so many elements of canon that they don't like that it's easier to go to the full on thematic AU, uh, and 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 yet still call it canon divergent. But it isn't really the same thing. Um, it's sort of like, um, like, I don't know, I don't know how it could be, anything could be canon divergent where you have the X-Men and the, and the MCU in the same universe. Even though in the comics, they are in the same universe in the MCU, they are not. And introducing the X-Men into, it, it creates huge ripples and partially because the MCU came up with another answer to um, the X-Men, which is the whole, um, I don't remember what they called them. I'm blanking on the name of what they called the, all of the people. Superpowers. No, not enhanced. Is, was it Inhumans? Um, the Inhumans. So they, they came up with, with a, an answer to how people got these other powers, and that was the Inhumans. And so when you throw the X-Men on top of that, you've now created a little bit of yeah, contradictory world building. So it, it just can't be canon divergent where now you could have those characters exist there's nothing that says they don't exist in the mcu um explicitly but if they're in humans would they have the same exact ability versus mutants and also if they're in humans because of when the inhumans all started coming around online um i don't know what to do about i'm i'm not missing okay um if because of when Inhumans were activated in the MCU timeline, um, well, I, I don't like the term either, but that's what they—that's what they call it in canon. Um, if you might need to, if you—if it might be a connection problem on your end, you might need to drop and then pop back in. But when they when they introduced, because of when in the timeline that there was widespread activation of the Inhumans, um, you can't just have all of those people already existing as a group fighting crime. So you could have somebody come into powers like they had in the X-Men. They would not be X-Men, however, but it wouldn't have been something that they grew up at a school and, you know, in at Westchester that was run by Charles Xavier because they wouldn't have all come into their powers at that time to have made that happen. So you have to, um, you'd have a significant amount of, of work to do to reconcile those two worlds in something that was canon divergent. Because the fact is, is that in the MCU, because of the Inhumans, um, Wolverine never existed. Uh, comics can yeah well but we're talking about the MCU though so comics canon is completely irrelevant unless you're using it to fill in gaps but when it comes to canon divergence you cannot fill in a gap where there is something already there so in the MCU the Inhumans technically all go back to Hive which goes back hundred what probably thousands of years the start of Hydra but the widespread activation of the Inhumans on Earth was not something that happened way back in the past. 
It, it was related to those recently. crystals that got into the fish or something like that. It was a very strange plot line. So um, Wolverine was actually born in the 1800s. Um, or Logan was. And he would never have become Wolverine because his um, his inhuman genetics would, would, have, would not have been activated. Just like um, Magneto would have probably died in the concentration camp. Because again, his genetics wouldn't have been activated. He wouldn't have been able to fight against them. He wouldn't have been... Um, he wouldn't have stood out as special and they probably would have killed him. And it's just like Marvel... Um, um, MCU Scarlet Witch is a completely different character than X-Men Scarlet Witch. And you can't... X-Men Scarlet Witch is the daughter of Magneto. Right. The... Because Marvel Disney did not own the rights to the X-Men, they could not put the X-Men in the MCU. In order to create a mutant population, they could not even use the word mutant. So they created Inhumans for the MCU and in the shows. Um, so there are no X-Men in the MCU. And in the MCU, the, the, um, the Inhumans were not there was a big activation that happened with, of the Inhumans in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't remember when in the timeline. It was well after the first Avengers movie. So while there were some Inhumans running around, um, there it was not something that was well known. Um, so you have it was an X-Men level. Yeah. So there was an activation of the Inhumans that does happen in canon. And it ripples throughout the TV part of the MCU. But it is not actually reflected much in the actual movie side of the verse. The Inhumans were created by the Kree. And the, was the first one was, was the first one Hive? Hive is how Hydra came to be. Hive was an Inhuman who... Um, that, and he looked like the, the... He looked like a kind of a squid octopus dude. So... Hence Hydra. That's interesting. Well, since, yeah, but Marvel owned the right to the Inhumans in the comics so they could insert them into the MCU. But they can't even use the word mutant in the MCU. Yeah, the word can't. They could say that somebody has a mutation, but even that might get them in trouble if somebody starts because to Because the mutant. actress who plays Scarlet Witch called herself a mutant um, during a press junket at uh, some comic con. And got in trouble for it. She got a slap on the wrist. Because she wasn't allowed to call her character a mutant. Well, Spider-Man came back to the MCU. Um, it's a borrowing situation. Marvel borrowed. Um, but then Disney bought. <laughs> I guess because it was easier. They took a book. They took a page out of Sato's book. Um, and Disney bought. The fox arm of the movies, I think. Yeah, so, I think they did. So they so now they own Deadpool different. and Spider Man now. So Spider Man could appear in Deadpool. Well, I, you know what, Spider Man might appear in Deadpool, but don't hold your breath for Spidey Pool because number one, he's still in puberty, and number two, it's Disney. And no matter how proud they might be of their gay days in Disneyland. I doubt very seriously they're going to give Spider-Man a sarcastic, 
a sarcastic older man gay lover. <laughs> I just don't see it. <laughs> yes, they do now, but they didn't before. Marvel bought the Fox uh, movie arm so they could actually, I guess, probably get X-Men and all that back. But all that really means, you guys, is you're going to get a reboot on X-Men. Another one. And there's a lot of theories about how that will happen. Um, like some theories about how that will um, be part of a future phase of, of, of the MCU and blah, 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 blah. But the bottom line is with the canon you've got now, there are no mutants. So anytime I think I have a hard time inserting the M the X-Men into the MCU. So I don't think it will happen. Not in this iteration. Yeah. So but anytime you see a um uh, anytime you see a story that calls itself canon divergent where you have the X-Men and the MCU together, it is not canon divergent. It's a fusion alternate universe. Yes. Because those two things cannot exist. They and, and and the reason they can't exist is it is it's for the simple reason that the X Men invalidate aspects of the MCU. So it's not a matter of plugging a plot hole because we talked about in a, in a canon divergent story where you don't know information or information doesn't exist, you can fill it in as long as it doesn't contradict the canon up to the point that you diverge, right? But there are but, questions about you know if if the X Men have always been here, then why weren't they there? when the Chitauri invaded. They're from fucking New York. Um, the Fantastic Four live in fucking New York. They live in Manhattan. So why the hell weren't they on the spot? Again, you know. Now, in reality, Spider-Man should have been there. But they rebooted Spider-Man, so he wouldn't have been old enough to actually have um, participated as Spider-Man when the Chitauri actually invaded. So, it is a... Um... X-Men existing in the MCU contradicts a lot of things in the MCU canon, things that are canon. So it's not like you're plugging a hole there. It's not. It's creating contradiction, which makes it AU. And you can definitely do that, right? You can you can, you can ignore the Inhuman storyline entirely, take all those people out make, or make them mutants instead, and then just decide which Scarlet Witch you're going to go with in your story. You can fuse them together. And there are some great stories out there that do that, but they are not canon divergent. And pro tip, go with the one that doesn't mind rape people. Th that would be great. Yeah. I do think that these examples of would it be canon divergent or is it AU are help. help. So if anybody has any other examples like that that they want to throw out there, feel free. If we missed one that we, you know, if what, somebody asked one that we missed, go ahead and ask again. Um, I'm going to ban it. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Or if you are, you're going to do it for like a day. <laughs> It'd be therapy, but we'll have to get over it. <laughs> no, it was something in another chat. Don't worry about it. Um, I do wish I had the ability to like... Um, beyond having uh, do not disturb on, um, I, I wish I had the ability to have like a like a customized status that said, uh, "Don't fuck with me right now." Right? <laughs> I'm here. I'm online. But don't fuck with me. Because <laughs> I don't think do not disturb actually covers it. <laughs> just actually, what you can do is you can just do this. Here, let me do it. <laughs> A little alien typing. 
<laughs> she changed her name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Put nope in the front of my name. <laughs> Today is not the day. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the the point is is that you have to be um careful when you're um when you're planning and plotting and writing your um your can divergence, uh, uh, introducing huge tropes can can change your can divergent into an alternate universe, and that isn't the challenge. Yeah. So it's better to, you know, ask, you know, throw your example, but throwing the Fae into Teen Wolf or A-U-B-A, uh, I'm pretty sure the Fae are canon in Teen Wolf. Um, Isn't a Banshee a Fae? Yeah, well, there are, there are quite a, quite a few, um, there are quite a few, uh, spelling it wrong. I'd have to double check if they're actually canon in. But I don't know that there's anything I've seen in Teen Wolf canon that contradicts that there could be Faye. Um, but if you make Styles a were-rabbit, which is awesome as that story is, it's definitely alternate universe. Yes. It's very fun, though. Wear hair. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you, I mean, you just have to be sure you're not. Um, Team Wolf doesn't explore magic all that much, and it doesn't explore a lot of the other supernatural creatures beyond monster of the week type thing. So there's a lot of room to uh, to explore stuff like that um, when it comes to something being canon divergent, um, you just have to be sure that you're not contradicting. And you'd have to know the canon fairly well to be sure you're not contradicting it. So you'd have to get like, a, if you don't know the show, you have to get like a canon consult, like get somebody who knows the canon to let you know if you're jumping way outside the lines. Because really a canon divergence is about using all the elements that canon gave you. Um, and exploring the consequences of a different choice. Uh, I know we always talk about it, but you you really, 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 really should go find and watch the movie Sliding Doors. Um, it is a masterclass in canon divergence. It's laid all out for you. you can, I mean, you really literally cannot miss the difference between the two. So, you know, what happens if Harry gets sorted into Hufflepuff? Um, what happens uh, if um, Harry meets Hermione first on the train? Um, what happens if he meets Neville first on the train? Um, what happens if Minerva McGonagall shows up at Privet Drive with his letter the first time it doesn't get delivered? Instead of Hagrid engaging in a campaign of litter, of, uh, of letter terror. Um, and so it kind of, you pick your point 
and then you explore the ramifications and ripples of that of that choice. Um, and so you don't insert big thematic um, themes. You don't or tropes. Um, yeah, I mean, what if Harry and Neville met on the train and they're talking and um, they're trying to find Trevor and Hermione comes in and they get to talking and they're talking about different houses and, and um, Neville tells them about them and Harry says, you know, I really want to make friends, loyal friends, so I think I need to get into Hufflepuff. And they're both like, well, we need to get into Hufflepuff too. <laughs> so when they sit down on the stool, their whole they're like wholly invested in the idea of, of making loyal friends. And so they all three get sorted into Hufflepuff together. And how does that change things? That's a canon divergence. Like I said, as long as you don't, the pothouse is what I tend to think of it. As long as you don't, um, oh yeah, the orgy house. <laughs> when they're older, not when they're young. <laughs> You know, how would Dumbledore react? How would Snape react to a Hufflepuff Harry Potter? It's like, <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. How would how would Sprout react the first time her first years come to her and say, Snape's picking on Harry? <laughs> I don't think Sprout would respond the same way that McGonagall would. I think Sprout would <laughs> be knocking on his damn door. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I'm not even sure Snape would pick on a Hufflepuff Harry out of fear of Sprout. <laughs> and the thing is, because those themes, anything related to any of those themes were not explored at all in canon, you have a lot more room to go hog wild with putting, when you put them in, in a house that isn't really seen much on screen in the book or the movies. But, uh, now, yeah, I, I mean... I would ca I would caution you. This is the mother caution out there. You can, not that you can't do it, but I'm just going to throw the, a caution out there about changing your canon, putting your canon divergent point too far in the past of what you're actually exploring in your story. And the reason is because it's improbable that your ripples have been well explored. Right. So you would not want to start a fifth year fic where Harry's in Hufflepuff and call that canon divergent. Um, you would want to call that alternate universe because you'd have to you'd have to do a fuck ton of exposition to explain everything that was different about Harry being in Hufflepuff. And the reader would want to know, right? They'd want to know, did the troll incident go down the same? Did they have the same friends? Um, did he go through the, did the Chamber of Secrets happen? And you'd have to like cover all those major events and the only way to really do it is an exposition. Which would be boring as fuck. Gryffindor and Slytherin have, Slytherin have their classes together. So Hufflepuff has um, right Ravenclaw. Um, flying lessons would have gone very differently. For the Hufflepuffs and the Ravenclaws. Um, so. Yeah. And if you don't want to really deeply explore that. Then you just have to go with an AU. And. Um, and even then, I think it would be difficult. I think it's one of the reasons why when Harry gets sorted into um, a different house, it normally happens. Um, the writer starts with the first year fic because pff, difficult. <laughs> 
But I do have one actually where Jenny um, kidnaps Harry during the Chamber of Secrets um, and takes him down into the chamber uh, early. She takes him down into the chamber um, before even Hermione is petrified um, because she's tired of waiting for Riddle to deliver on his promises and he tells her well go kidnap him now and we'll take care of it and she thinks she's going to make a, a spell to make him fall in love with her um, but in reality um, she's killing herself He's she's giving her magic to Voldemort so he can live and she doesn't know it um, and Harry breaks free and, and gets away and then you know she tells everybody in Gryffindor that Harry Potter is the heir of Slytherin and he kidnapped her and took her down into the Chamber of Secrets and they all believed her while he was in the infirmary um, recovering from being bitten by a fucking basilisk uh, and so by the time he gets out of the infirmary everybody but Neville and Hermione have turned on him and um, are demanding that he be resorted um, so Neville, Hermione and Harry get resorted into Hufflepuff. And then Luna, who doesn't like the Ravenclaws, has decided this is a prime opportunity for her to get resorted. So she goes and sits down with them to get resorted. And Selvador's like, why are you there? And she's like, because Ravenclaw's full of assholes. And I know an opportunity when I see one. <laughs> and so she gets sorted in Hufflepuff too. And then the Hufflepuffs kind of make like a a nest for these was it for, um, for these four kids you know they just kind of and later on in the story ron hits harry and he gets dogpiled by the second year girls from the hufflepuff because <laughs> when you pick a fight with one hufflepuff you pick a fight with all of them <laughs> anyway it amused me and that's one way you can change his house is to do it after the fact. Do it later in the school career for one reason or another. Whatever contrived reason you want to come up with. And we are going to be all in on that too. I actually really like Harry, Harry being resorted. And there's a point in there where um, Harry does not want to go back to Privet Drive and Sprout is pushing it. And um, Harry finds out that Minerva McGonagall is actually one of the people listed to be his guardian, but Dumbledore keeps interfering and wouldn't let her do it. And she's threatening to go to the ICW. And he says, well, what if I just spell my magic to never go back to Privet Drive? Then what happens? And Dumbledore looks at him and said, that is another Miss Sort. And the hat said, I couldn't put him in Slytherin. They'd all be dead by now. <laughs> Hufflepuff was really the only choice. <laughs> but that is a question. Why didn't Harry, the first time Dumbledore told him, well, no, Harry, I can't help you. You have to live on Privet Drive. Why did Harry just say, I solemnly swear on my life and magic that I will never ever live with my Aunt Petunia again as long as I live. So might it be. Well, there was lots of opportunity in, in the in the for him to have taken magical oaths to get out of stuff. And she just never went there. 
I mean, he could have gotten right out of the whole goblet. He could have he could have dealt with all of his housemates' suspicion by just taking a magical oath that he did not right the fucking goblet, right? I mean, because what does Dumbledore do then? He might not know about magical oaths then, but by the time he hits fourth year and he's bound up in a magical contract he can't get out of without breaking his magic, he knows about them then. What if he just writes his own magical contract? Which reminds me, did you ever read the fic where Harry's like, wait, you can just confound the magical contract and sign somebody's name and that person is, is bound by it? Really? And so he gets a whole bunch of parchment and writes a whole bunch of contracts and confounds them and, and signs everybody's name. Like Dumbledore and Snape and Voldemort. And he like destroys the magic of like half the adults he knows by just asking them not to do like the making them promise on a contract that they wouldn't do fucked up things. It's um it's on it's on the pit. Um it is a story and Willow just found it. It's called Magical Contracts by Kaylin Darkmoon, and I'm going to put it in the link um the link library. I mean, but he pretty much puts everybody on blast and um very precious few people um come out of it on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I also read a fic once where um, the magical contract wasn't actually valid between Harry and the goblet until he participated in the first task. It was actually between goblet um, the, the, the goblet and Barty Couch Jr. Because he's the one that put Harry's name in it. And I was thinking, you know, he should have just expected it would happen. And I think he should have asked Hermione to put Voldemort's name in it. <laughs> Say, can you put Tom Riddle's name in the goblet for me? I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I have a feeling my name's going to come out of it. Can you make sure his does too, if mine does? She's smart. She's smarter than Barty Couch Jr. She certainly could have figured it out. I had started a short a while ago where it was canon divergent where Harry did a Hermione told me he needed to understand the the tournament better, what he was being forced into do. And so they did a bunch of research and he realized that and it was based on that idea that participating in the first task um binds you to the tournament, but that you had to participate in the first task if you put your name in the in the goblet but he's like but i didn't and she says well then don't participate in the first task so he just shows up to the first task and refuses and they're like but you have to and he's like no i don't think i do they're like but you'll lose your magic and he says no the person who put their name in the goblet they'll lose their magic <laughs> but i won't because i didn't <laughs> so i'm fine i'm sitting pretty and so um in order to avoid losing his magic barty crouch has to reveal himself and participate in the and first participate task. <laughs> in the first task. <laughs> but see, if you know, if that was actually true, um, and Harry participated in the task, he still was not Barty Crouch Jr. So Barty Crouch Jr. should have lost his magic after the first task when he didn't compete. Yeah. 
That's a logical consequence. Um, which means he's done far more to the goblet than just sneak an amen. Well, but and then my thing I had it be that um, you could have a proxy compete for you. And that by Harry entering and doing the first task, he was implicitly acting as a proxy. And then yeah, once, implicitly, you, once, yeah. you, once you compete, you're bound to the tournament. And that he entered as Barty's pr proxy, effectively. And Harry's like, no, I'm not, I'm not competing in this tournament. Mm -mm. I didn't not enter. Happening. And I, didn't, I certainly didn't agree to be anybody's proxy. So, no. But speaking of proxies, if you want to have a terrible laugh at jo at Ron Weasley's expense, I highly recommend the Champions Champion. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. What happens to Ron is terrible. But is it? But also funny. And Draco doesn't come out of it very well either. It is the crackiest, crackiest crack thing you will ever read. <laughs> it's Cracky McCrackfic. So now we got to get the champion's champion and get the link in the link library. Um, so the thing about canon divergence and thematic tropes like Sentinel and Guide, uh, Soulmate Magic, um, is that you can do them. You can. But you gotta work. And sometimes it's 50k of work. Sometimes it's 100. And honestly, sometimes you want to do a giant time skip. Like, you do the setup, and then you want to do a big time skip. And so sometimes, you know, that's actually like a separate story, right? It's like you're doing a, you know, you do all the setup in one story, and then you go write a story later. But then that problem is that second story is not canon divergent anymore. It's an alternate universe. Yeah. Your first story, Diverge Canon. So, you know, I will say that I, this is, and this could be my opinion. I'm, it, it may not be a, a shared opinion, but my opinion is, is that when you do a Canon Divergent story where you diverge and you've set all these different things in motion, that a sequel to that is not Canon Divergent anymore. That as a separate story, it is now an AU. Your first story was canon divergent, but your second story has no canon divergent elements. The twins did try to use a paper airplane to get into the goblet, and it didn't work. The, um, the goblet deflected it. And they also tried to use an aging potion. What they didn't do, obviously, is ask someone older to put their name in for them. <laughs> All they had to do was go to a seventh year and say, hey, here, here put these names in. Okay, that'll be 10, gall 10 galleons. <laughs> I'll need a galleon for each name. <laughs> I mean. Okay, I'm putting the link to Harry Potter and the Champions Champion in the link library. So, it'll be really interesting um, in July if Kyle Reese was a werewolf. But it would be an AU, and it wouldn't, and it wouldn't be canon divergence from the movie. And I couldn't just spring it on Sarah, like after they have sex. Oh, by the way, I'm I'm, I'm actually a werewolf. No, 
It's going to help me save, make it a lot easier to survive the Terminator, that's for sure. It certainly would, but it wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't be, it would be disingenuous to the canon of the movie. Could I do right. it? Yes. Would it be well received? Probably because my readers like me to do crazy shit like that. Would it be accurate to the challenge? No. Well, and also, um, if somebody makes the argument that there's nothing um, that says that werewolves don't exist, well, mm, I actually think that there's a lot that says that werewolves don't exist. It's pretty clearly a very contemporary AU. Um, but also, you, the goal is to rewrite from some point in the movie, not rewrite the whole movie. Right. You only got 25 so you can't introduce words. a big thematic trope like werewolves. I mean, you can, but it's dishonest. It's it's not it's not staying true to the challenge. It's it's not, um, it's it's not I mean, what it is. If you're rewriting the whole movie, or the if you're then you're not rewriting. the The point is to pick up from some point in the movie. And there were questions people had about that, um, about wh how much of the movie, what's considered the end. You could change the very last scene. You could change the very last word. You could change from a third of the way through. I mean, it's all about like what your plans are and how you're going to explore those ripples, right? So, but I was actually thinking, Ellie, that I would start with the fucking. But the challenge is not to rewrite the whole movie. That's something else. Completely. The challenge is to get your characters into a different place when the movie ends. Look at where they are when they end. Put them somewhere different, emotionally or physically, somatically, in your short. And you only have 25K. That's your maximum. Your minimum is 10, your maximum is 25. You don't have a lot of room for world building. Um, so you can't introduce, you know, you can't do an emergence of some kind of gift. Um, you got to work with what you got. And that's, and that's part of the challenge. You know? Yeah. And if, and if canon would, it's okay. So let's say you do introduce, um, so like in one of mine, in the Hobbit one, the point, my divergence point, right, is going to prevent most of the end of, a lot of the, not most, but a lot of the events in the end of the movie from ever occurring, right? So whether my story is 10K or 25K, um, those events don't really happen. Some of them kind of, but anything that happened in the movie that would still come to pass needs to happen in the story. Otherwise, I'm not rewriting the end. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're writing the Battle of the Five Armies, right, and you do something that happens before the end of the battle, before the battle actually happens, that prevents the battle from ever happening, then you don't have to worry about writing the battle. Your 25K can be all from whatever point you diverged into whatever new territory, whatever, you know, maybe they've, they've hopped on a bunch of eagles and they've traveled off to Mordor, right? That one would hope, um, you know. So that maybe, is, you know, Smog says, "Okay, you know, okay, little guy, you you help me with my egg, and I'll and I'll help you with that evil ring you're carrying. What evil ring, little dude? <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a talk." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but what 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 the thing is is like if you do that thing with with where but let's say you do that right and you've rewritten 
the ending of the movie where they've gone off to Mordor to destroy the ring. But then you mention that, you know, armies of goblins are marching on Erebor. Well, you haven't gotten to the end of the movie yet. Because those events happened in the movie. So if your events don't obliterate those events, if your story doesn't obliterate those, I don't know if this is kind of it's kind of a, a little bit of a difficult topic because it's easier to just rewrite the last quarter of a movie. But if you're backing up further than that, um, you have to consider that if any of those canon events are still going to come to pass, you need to cover them. Yeah, because those goblins are already marching towards Erebor when they get there. They're already right. on their way. They've been on their way for months. They're right. not very far behind. I mean, in in the book, I think they're there like a month, a month and a half before um, his army arrived. You know, the army started to arrive, but they've but they've they've been on their way. Right. So unless you make it so that a canon event doesn't occur by your changes, you need to account for the events that occurred in the movie. For instance, I'm going to start with the sex scene in Terminator. Uh, I'm going to diverge from there. Um, and at some point, Kyle's going to realize that if he hasn't already fathered John Connor, that he will shortly, based on just on when John Connor was born. Um, and so that changes things for him. Now, in Aliens, I'm going to start it with the gun scene. Where he's teaching her how to use that weapon. Um, and it will change. It'll change a lot of things because she won't be a still target for Burke. For those um, symbionts thingies, the babies. Um, and so it'll change things because when she should be napping in the movie, she's probably going to be getting laid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, most of my MCU story takes place basically between, I would say, like, around the very like the very end of the movie but, like but it, it it happens in the credits <laughs> so it's before the end it's before the end credit scene but it's sort of like picking up right at the very end the very tail end of the movie the very tail end but it definitely occurs before the end credit scene so it i don't have to worry about getting all the way through the events that occurred in the movie because I am only dealing with like the very the very last scene, right? So it's it's pretty simple. But if you know, for people who ask, can I start my my change um, like a third of the way through the movie? Yeah, you can. But what are you going to do about the rest of those events? Can you cover all that in the words you have? Now, sometimes the changes people are going to make are going to completely obliterate those events. Well done. <laughs> it could have been a very boring movie, and you've just done the world a service. Um, or you have a lot of events to account for. You need to figure out how to incorporate into your storyline. Now, in the Terminator, I only have the Terminator to deal with. Um, and how they respond. And uh, how Kyle responds to Sarah's confession that she actually did tell her mother where she is. Um, and... What happens after that? Like, what happens if they leave the hotel before or the motel before um, the Terminator gets there and he has no idea where they are? How long does it take him to find her again? And what happens in between that? 
Um, so there probably will be a time skip for the Terminator one. Uh, when it comes to the aliens one, I have two. I, I have two big plot points that I have to deal with: the Queen, who is stationary throughout the movie until Ripley makes herself a threat to her nest. The whole time during the movie, the queen is is in her nest. She's laying her eggs. She's not the the humans on the station don't bother her at all. But when Ripley makes herself a threat to the queen, the queen disengages from her her nest and comes after her. And she's so invested in her revenge, the queen is that she leaves the planet with Ripley to get Ripley. And that's and that demonstrates a level of intelligence about the species because she's at this point seeking revenge. It's not about you know the defense of her of her babies on that planet. Um, maybe she's even realized that that planet is about to go, and it's about her survival as well, and the, her survival. Um, and that's why she lays the egg on the dropship. She gives one final egg to the dropship. I think probably three, um, but at least one, and one of them's a queen. Because if you, if you put yourself in the alien's mind, she's going to go down one way or another, probably. She's going to go down fighting. She's going to get revenge on this human for destroying her nest. But she's also left a way for her species to continue. Because she's left a queen. Because in part three, Ripley's carrying a queen. So we have that. We have the queen. And we have the explosion of the planet. And we have Bishop off getting the ship. So, the, I mean, at the, yeah. So, Bishop's already gone by that point to get the ship. And so, uh, I have some decisions to make about whether or not um, Hicks manages to keep all three of them together. If Hicks gets injured. Um, if they even get near the Queen's Nest. Uh, what happens if they don't? Um, does the Queen recognize that this, this facility is about to blow up? Does she try to leave anyway? You know, these are the questions I have to ask myself and account for in my plot. And those are the kinds of questions you need to ask yourself based on what available plot points you have left um, after your divergence points when, you, when you're ending, when you're approaching your ending of your fic for July. And, and you do have to motivations. You know, you know, you need to look at the GMC of all the people involved and, or alien involved. Especially since she is the major antagonist in the story, yeah, right. You can't just ignore her. Um, so you, if if it, if any of this is like you know, like, is this canon divergent or is it an AU? Or if you have a question about that, you know, there's places to ask those questions. Um, we can definitely help. Um, if you're wondering about like how many events you need to cover or how to cover all the events you need to cover, or you know, sometimes something is like completely implicit. But sometimes it's, if it's not, you're going to have to deal with it. You don't have to cover every event the movie covered. That'd be retelling the movie. Some things are going to be like obvious how they've changed. But like one of the things Kira has to deal with is that at the end of the movie, they got off the planet. Right? So she has to get them off the planet. They don't have to get Conflict. off the planet the same. They don't have to get off the planet the same way. They don't have to get off the planet with an alien on board. That could be one of the things that's different. They don't have to get off the planet um, with Bishop getting nearly shredded. They don't have to do any of that. But they do have but to get off the planet. They have to get off the planet because it's about to explode. Right. Not the whole planet. 
the facility they're in is about to blow. And it's going to be significant. They don't have the physical ability to go away from that facility before it goes. So they have to go up. They can't go out. And going out would be dangerous. Because those, those aliens are probably everywhere on the planet is, at, at, at this point. But it's also the thing that's about to blow is the atmospheric processing plant. Right. So Which is going to make that planet hell on Earth, basically. Yeah, it's going to event sort of. pretty quickly. That planet Hellish. is not going to be um, livable. So off the planet is pretty much the choice. Now right. they might have a little while if they could go, you know, on, on land for, they might have a little while before they lose atmosphere and, you know, but you know, you have to figure out how long they would have before Bishop had to pick them up. And how far they would get. And if there are aliens out there and then there's, there's that line that she says, we need to go inside because the aliens come out at night. Mostly. Because Newt's telling them it's not safe to be outside at night. Yeah. So they're not the the aliens are not just confined to the facility at that point. Anyways, um, we're, we're we're precariously close to the to midnight, and um, I'm out of tea, and I have to go to little girl's room. And if you guys don't have any more questions in the chat room, I think we could uh let this go and. Uh, We'll catch you guys later. Anybody got any questions? I think Melody just decided for all of y'all. <laughs> you can there's there's a place to ask questions about the challenge on Rough Trade. You can also even drop questions in the ask a question for the podcast. We might um or you could direct message one of us. There are ways to get your questions answered. Um so <laughs> we will we will help. And if you have a plot sticking point, there's lots of people willing to help work out plot problems. Um, so don't be intimidated by the by canon divergence, because there is definitely, I think, there's definitely an inclination to go um, to ignore the like the foundational elements of canon divergence and go AU. And trust me, I understand. Since I absolutely 100% prefer alternate universe in Harry Potter, I get it. But we're supposed to be challenging ourselves. We're supposed to be um, uh, challenging our... We're supposed to be adding tools to our toolbox. That, that's what July is about. It's our boot camp. Even when it doesn't say boot camp on it, it's still our boot camp. We're still adding tools to your toolbox. And not just word economics. So, um, you guys have a fantastic night. And we'll probably see you tomorrow because it'll be Friday. I've been reliably informed that today was Thursday. Now it's Friday <laughs> night. Uh, Friday morning. Because I, I didn't know. Um, anyways, uh, I had a sleep. I had a weird sleeping experience today. Say good night, Jilly. Night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>